Paul's brain on your plot. Do you have a hunk of land but don't know where to start? Do you have a world-changing permaculture idea and you need some feedback? Do you feel like the guy in overalls may inexplicably hold the keys to all your wildest permaculture and homesteading dreams? Well, you're probably wrong. But if you want to give it a go anyway, you can hire Paul for a consultation. He will be all yours for a whole entire hour. Schedule your Paul conversation today at permies.com/consult. permies.com/consult. I've hit the record button. It's recording. All right, so uh, we're at the Permaculture Design Course 2023. I'm here with Brent. Say hi, Brent. Hello. And uh, uh, this is, you, you were here last year for the PDC. I was. It was fantastic. And um, I know that once before we've had somebody attend Alan Booker's uh, permaculture design course a second time. Um, and I don't, I, I'm not sure what her reasons are, but I think her reasons are identical to yours, just guessing. Um, and your reasons for taking this course a second time are... I, I got a lot out of the permaculture um, design course, and I was able to kind of connect a lot of dots, but I didn't feel like I grasped all of it. There was just so much, and it was such valuable information that I wanted to kind of make sure I reinstated that and kind of understood it a little bit deeper. So I wanted to try to internalize it a little bit more. Plus, I was going to the PDJ, so I wanted so it's a great opportunity to, to do it. It's very inexpensive, and it's such a, a great you know learning that. I just couldn't pass up doing it again. Alan says that every year he makes his PDC 20% better than the year before. Have you noticed? I mean, we're only on what? Uh, this is day, day three? No, today's day two. Full day two, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have noticed some differences, and the, some of those things have clicked in my brain, like, oh, wow, that is just like a beautiful concept, and I didn't catch that concept the first time, or it's been a little bit different. Um, so it's it's been interesting to kind of get those aha moments moments and like you think well this is just going to be refresher but really I think uh, it's either additional stuff or I just missed it the first time yeah I, I kind of do feel like um, when you take a, a PDC from Alan that um, you leave with an enormous amount like your your world has changed but I think I'm reading between the lines and saying like now this changed person um, is going to, to do it and it's kind of like it's sometimes you watch a movie and it's even better the second time because it's kind of like you know I, I, I loved it the first time but somehow I loved it even more the second time and and so perhaps that's happening yeah I think that's true you know you really start to appreciate it more and, and some of those subtle things that were not as obvious but are very meaningful they start to really pop out a little bit more than when you first get it because it's just like drinking from a fire hose and there's just so much to comprehend and to learn that you're probably not connecting all the dots. You're connecting the big ones, but the, some of those subtle ones can be very, very important and it can make a really big difference and sometimes little things can can really direct you in a different direction and that's kind of what I feel some of these little things are, are very meaningful that I, I must have missed before. And the first time you were doing this, did you get the sensation 
sensation that you were drinking from the fire hose? Definitely the first few days were like that because of the the big concepts of how to look at it and how everything went together and some of the terminology was very different than I was used to. Uh, there's a lot of hold-ons and different terms that I hadn't heard before, so trying to bring that into kind of your current thought process and understanding how it all fits in was a little challenging. Um, all right. I, for this podcast, I kind of want to move into some other topics. Um, uh, and you and I have kind of talked about them a little bit this morning. Uh, and so here we are at lunch uh, during the PDC. And so you can hear everybody kind of eating their lunch. But um, I, there was a thing I mentioned and uh, where it's like, did I mention that in a podcast? I can't remember. And so I, what I want to do is take a hard left for a moment. And I want to I want to mention a thing. I was I was in Tennessee a couple of months ago and uh, presenting. I was invited to come and present, and um, there was a gal there who was telling me about a community where she was at a founding community meeting, and um, she uh, had this sensation of like there were a lot of people in the community that felt very strongly that and and she the way that she told to me she said it felt like it was 20 kindergartners who got together and they all agreed unanimously therefore it must be true that we should all have more candy like there should be you know a a candy bar uh, at the front of the classroom and every day it's candy all day every day and then this one person the dissenting voice uh, out, you know breaking the un- unanimity uh, was the effectively this old woman that was there supposedly in the role of the teacher or whatever how annoying this person is to talk about like how do you get the candy how rude is that we want candy and we voted we're going to have candy and that's the end of it um, so I I just kind of feel like as um, the, the conversation of community of all I mean basically that's what this was this was a meaning about a founding community and um, the design was going to be that everybody was noble and everybody would get candy and everybody would have all good things but nobody would have to do any work and things of that nature and and, and she just felt like this is a total face plant this is not going to work nobody's so that kind of led me anyway I, I do feel like and I, and I work for a while on the board of a community incubator trying to help people form communities and it's kind of like you know that is a great way of explaining a lot of what I saw and so sure they had consensus and they all agreed um, and so then it, you know but then it's kind of like how are you going to make it happen and it was an unusual group to be like uh, I don't know how they expect to accomplish anything um, let alone you know just be able to exist in, in communities but I, I feel like this mentality is very common I, I see it happen on the internet a lot and I kind of feel like for every person that is going to get down and get work done there are 20 people that will probably never do it 
they will probably never do work of any kind. They they want the candy, but they don't want to get the candy. They don't want to they don't want to you know uh, get the money to get the candy. They don't want to you know any of that kind of stuff or make the candy. None none of these things. It's just like the candy will magically appear. All right. Uh, so let me start by saying, um, so Brent, you are a far kinder person than I am, so I'm sure you've never observed anybody being like that. I think we've all observed people being like that. <laughs> and they're typically in your family somewhere. <laughs> so um, that's true. The, the famous brother-in-law who's in your basement, who was going to be there for just a few days, but now it's been damn near a year. And on top of that, things have been getting rowdier. And uh, it's just, it's, it's, there's a smell now. Um, and there used to be a basement down there that had other functions. But, yeah, it's, it's turned into a thing. Or the reoccurring, you know, issue that happens over and over again that's resolved and then keeps coming back. You know, I can definitely see that. Right. And, uh, and empty promises. And, you know, basically I'm going to pay rent with what's known as, you know, empty promises and lies. Um, and because that does seem to be a currency that actually works with good and decent people. It does. Yeah. And so, you know, the good and decent people need to care. But I, I kind of feel like I, my guess is, is that, I mean, you listen to this podcast and that's how we kind of got onto the idea of like, maybe we should record a podcast. My guess is, is that most permaculture people um, who subscribe to want candy, they'd they be, you know, um, uh, whatever that is, or, or there's a, there's a, there's most permaculture people. They are not going to listen to any of my podcasts. They're not going to enjoy them at all. But, I think that the people who do listen to my podcasts might be more like you. I mean, you actually listen to them. You, your day is full of other things. Your day is full of substance. And yet, um, somehow you listen to my podcast while you're out doing things. Um, which I, I'm going to guess is probably most of the people that listen. People, I, I have met people where they have questions for me. Um, usually it has something to do with capitalism um, and not capitalism. Uh, has something to do with uh, the third ethic. Has something to do with, um, uh, you know, uh, um, like, you know, some kind of, well, basically, they would like to get things, but they don't want to do the work to get the things. And I find out that they've never listened to any of my podcasts. So perhaps is it is it possible that my words tend to drive off most permaculture people and maybe only a few people that want to actually do the work stick around for the podcast? I, I don't know. Or, or somehow the things I say appeal to the people that are okay with doing the work. I don't know. It's an idea. But it led to something that you said, which I thought, oh, we got to get that into a podcast. And that's kind of like a bit about... So are you 
what is it? So you have some acreage. Is that accurate? Three quarters of an acre. Okay. So a large lot. A large lot. And you have hugel culture there. I do. I have about 200 feet of it. Um, I, I started about two years ago with my first one and had a fair amount done, maybe about 7,500 feet of hugel culture done before I actually came to the first PDC. And I had pretty much given up gardening because when I moved to Virginia, I live in central Virginia, when I moved there and tried to garden, there was either like too much moisture, the bugs got something, or it just didn't grow. I just, it wasn't easy to garden there with the clay soil and whatnot, and I just didn't know how to garden there. So I'd, I'd pretty much given up. But then I was listening to actually to your podcast talking about who cultures and then understanding the concept. And so that's one of the reasons why I like listening to upon your podcast to kind of get into a lot of depth. And it really kind of, I finally figured it out that made it so that hula culture seemed like the right thing to do. So I put the time and effort in to build that. I just randomly planted all kinds of things all over it because I wanted the polyculture of plants in there. And then I took off to come to the to the PDC and then I, for two weeks and then I had a vacation for a week and a half afterwards. So absolutely utter neglect on that that hula culture. I came back to more food than I ever had been able to do when I was the whole summer tending the garden and failing miserably. And so it's it's like these sorts of podcasts that really kind of explain what's going on, makes it easy to understand. And I, I like to go and really figure things out, figure out how things work. And I like the depth that you go into to explain those things, even though sometimes it might seem like it's long. I'm always getting a little nugget of something that really kind of gets me to understand and can move to the next thing. So I, I really enjoy that sort of a format, even though some folks want it you know, quick and, and easy. For me, it takes more long to kind of soak it in. And I usually like to listen to podcasts while I'm working and doing my projects outside on the weekends and that sort of thing. So, um, awesome. Great. Excellent. And then um, I, have been, I have been told by people more than 100 times that... These things that you just said are not possible. Part of it is is that if somebody has a worky job for 40 hours a week, it's not possible for them to, to do any of the permaculture things or gardening or any of that stuff. At the same time, I kind of think that probably 95% or more of all gardens and homesteads are um, one are, are done by people who have a full-time job and um, so and I try to explain this and I'm waved off like no no I said the word that it's impossible so why you know can't you hear me are you deaf or something what's wrong with you so it's uh, it's so delightful to hear somebody speak about this that therefore proves that what I've said is indeed true so um, I I just kind of want to hear you say it. <laughs> so that people don't think I'm putting words in your mouth. No, no. I, I mean, just like I said, like I found a lot of truth in your words that motivated me to go and do that work. Um, I like doing projects. I like working. Um, but, you know, it's a lot of work to go and do that. But, you know, 
you just go and do it little by little, you know, you can make amazing things. You know, you just imagine how much tons of stuff you can move if you're like stacking wood or you're shoveling, you know, it's just one scoop at a time. And if you just continue to do it and like listen to podcasts while you're doing it, the time goes goes by and you get some exercise. I don't like going to the gym. I'd much rather go build a hula culture than go to the gym any anytime, you know, and plus I'm building kind of my future. And so I enjoy that too. You know, I w- want to take care of my family and this is definitely a great way to do that, to be able to go and provide really nutrient dense food. And that was one of the reasons why I kind of was going down that. And so I started with hula cultures. Now I'm putting in my uh, perennial plants and I have a whole bunch of annual plants that are growing. And I'm just really trying to establish the soil because I just don't have much soil where I am. It's just pure clay and there's a, you know, half an inch of soil on top. And so I, I, it seems like this is the way to go. Plus, there's a lot of insects and things, and it's amazing how much less disease and insect impact and animal impact that I have when I when I do the polyculture of plants on the hooliculture and, you know, really leaving for, you know, three and a half weeks, not watering it and coming back. And it did rain and stuff, but um, I came back to food, and it was more food than I ever had. So it's like, should I just let nature take over is basically what I was doing. I'm just planting lots of different things. I start with three-quarter inch soil blocks, plant the seeds in there, and my family can help me. We can chat around it while we're planting them. And then in a couple weeks, those grow up, and I just randomly plant them all over the food cultures everywhere because I don't know what is the best place. I don't know how they're going to like to... I'm letting nature kind of arrange itself because nature is very complex, and I just am not smart enough to be able to go and figure out how to do it. I can maybe put the infrastructure there and then kind of let nature take over is kind of what my plan is. Yeah, I, um, I'm fr- I suspect I've mentioned this into a, in podcasts before, but many, many years ago, I lived in Seattle and I had an urban lot. And um, uh, out in front of the house, I did a short hugel culture because I didn't think I could get away with more. In fact, the landlord specifically said not more than two feet tall. So I found some rotten maple and I put that in the middle and and I built these raised beds on that little strip between the street and the sidewalk. Um, and I planted a whole bunch of rhubarb and some potatoes and some sunchokes. Um, and uh, uh, when I was leaving that property, then the woman that was moving in, she ripped all that out and she planted flowers. And three years later, I happened to be in the neighborhood and I thought I'd swing by and the the garden had reverted to all the things that I had planted and um, uh, you know because it's permaculture that's that's kind of the, the design so and I feel like you know a lot of the stuff that we have here now is a lot of the stuff that was planted in a similar fashion you know um, the the things that are more perennial are back and on their own and they are thriving and doing great Okay. Um, I want to, I mean, it's, it sounds like what would be delightful is to talk about your hugel culture for a bit. However, I want to set that aside for just a second. I want to talk about a normal week for you. And um, because I kind of feel like embedded in a normal week for you is a normal week 
let's say for the people that listen to this podcast, a normal week for a normal person who does homesteading or gardening, um, but I would say most of them have a worky job. Um, uh, I'd say very, very few are retired or have somehow dropped their their worky job in order to be able to do homesteading and gardening uh, or permaculture. So I would I'm going to guess that your normal week has you working more at your worky job than 40 hours a week. Is that? Am I close? It's flexible, um, but typically it's 45 to 50, probably somewhere in that range. Okay. And then um, you putter in your garden every other evening, and then at least, you know, a a big day one day of the weekend, maybe a little bit on the other day of the weekend. Am am I close? Yep, it's pretty close. Yeah. Okay. I definitely spend more time during the weekend. Um, Sometime after school, after work, depends on, you know, how busy I am. Right. Right. And um, I'm going to guess the puttering that you do adds up to maybe 20 to 25 hours a week. Yeah, probably probably closer to 30, I would imagine, when you add in the weekend. Um, sometimes there's more, sometimes there's less, but yeah, something like that. Okay. So um, if I were to say, so then doing the math, you said 45 hours a week for your worky job and 20 to 25, so it would be 65 to 70 is where I'm, you know, and, and this is for an average week, not a stellar week, not a empty week, not, you know, there's odd weeks here and there for different things. Mm-hmm. So um, the key is, is I kind of feel like uh, I have a lot of conversations where people say there there is no time, there's no way and when I try to you know ask further it seems that a lot of their time is spent going to restaurants and going to parties and playing video games and things like that and it's like but that's me time you can't take that away from me it's like oh I'm not talking about it but I think everybody has to make their own decisions like what's your thing what are you into and now um, I think that the next piece of this is probably the, the most important for this entire podcast um, I, I mean, I think that what you do for people that do that do homesteading and permaculture, because I, I really believe that 95% of the people that are keen on per- permaculture just talk about it. They don't they don't do anything. And their idea of doing is to go someplace where it is done and watch other people do it. So you're you're doing it. You you built Hugel culture, a lot of Hugel culture. You you've done a bunch of other little bits and bobs of things. There's there's a lot that you're doing. Hey, this is T. Blankenship. Have you seen the new video of Wheaton Labs? It is permaculture awesomeness with all new and improved things like more rocket mass heaters, easy bake coffin, Willy Wonka, rocket cooktop 2.0, and the truly passive greenhouse. To see more, go to permies.com slash tour. Again, that is permies.com slash tour.
Um, how how is it that you're wired different from these others that I'm talking about? I think at a a younger age, you know, kind of when I started to get married and have children, I think I kind of switched a little bit. Before that, I was kind of more in edu- education and sports. I just, that's pretty much all I did because I was living in an apartment. But then, you know, I started. I bought my first house. I got married, had kids, started to get really responsible, and I, I, I kind of fo- changed the kind of the focus of my activities and the things that were interesting, and moved them to t- something that was productive for the family. And just because I'm like, I have these kids, and I have, I have to take care of them, and and what do I do? And I want to be a good example to them, and things like that. So I kind of changed my activities to building things and to learning things that would be good for the family and I think that's kind of how I kind of changed into who I am now plus I think I learned to appreciate nature a lot more and I have a lot of joy being in nature and the hugo cultures are huge for that because you have a huge variety of plants and some of them are really beautiful more beautiful than others um, you also have a lot more uh, wildlife that enters your, your yard and I I tend to be able to spend more time at home because of the nature that now is around me. And so that's kind of how I got into it. And, and, and then, you know, I am curious about, I love, I love to read. I love to listen to podcasts. And so I can do some of those things by just listening to podcasts and, and having those activities while I'll do other things that I should be doing. So I can get that entertainment. Okay. So, Earlier today, I think I think your words were something about like um, life is building. That that you know, for you, what is life if you're not building? It's it's building stuff, and 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 even more than that, you you said something about that, and so I'll give you a, a chance in a second to possibly expand on that. But a part of it is, is like, if I'd have known this permaculture stuff sooner, I would have built, I would have increased my efficiency in how I build things, and um, and I could have built even more with less effort, kind of. It seems like you said something along those lines. So I'm, so I'm prompting, I'm putting words in your mouth, so you can tell me how, how I'm, I'm putting the wrong words in your mouth. No, no, I did say that. So the way that I kind of got into permaculture was kind of after I went through a lot of my building of, of things. So, like, when I got married, kids started coming. My wife said, you know, I, I can't live in the bachelor house. I'm like, sorry, you know. So, like, we, we went and said, okay, we got to figure something out. And we finally oriented ourselves to let's, let's get a lot and let's go and build a house. And so I hadn't had much experience, but I did see my dad build a house. And so I, I knew that it could be done. And so, so I mean, if my dad can do it, I'm sure that I can do it. So my dad was a really a big help on that. And so, so I started off on that journey of trying to build a house, and I sold everything and put everything into building the house because no one would give you a loan if it's the first time because I was a general contractor. So, so I went and, and put everything into the house, built the house enough to get occupancy, and then I 
went and got a loan because I had occupancy to then go and pay off the rest of the rent. But so I just barely scraped by to go and build that first house. I built it as a general contractor myself, and so I could kind of build it more wholesale and then sell it, you know, retail, that sort of thing. So I did that twice, and I always wanted to be green, but I didn't know how to be green, and I didn't really know what that green really meant. And I'm, you know, getting a very different perspective now with studying permaculture and kind of what that leads you into and what is green. And like there was a concept today that was really interesting about, you know, designing. When you take down a building, there is a design aspect to it. So when you first build it, can you take it and recycle that building? Like you put sheetrock everywhere, can you recycle sheetrock when you take it down? No. But if you had something that could be used like regular wood, you know, that could be reused for something else. So there's all kinds of interesting concepts like that and about how you would build and what you would build. And I think I'd be very, very different on how I built and try to build locally and build smaller instead of the typical thing of I want to build a typical house, you know, and build it as big as possible so that I could go and sell it for more money because the only way you value houses is in square footage, you know. And, and, and so I went down that whole typical um, American, you know, way of doing things, right? You corporate work for corporate America, you know, you you get enough money to, to buy a house and then you pay it off over time. That's kind of what I was doing. But I think I would have changed it quite a bit with permaculture. I would have gone a different route and, you know, the land is is the important thing and going back to nature and building things that are regenerative and, um, you know, smaller and more energy efficient. Rocket mass heater would definitely be in the house. Maybe some air, air, air tubes or earth tubes for cooling the house, you know, building things like that where the house could be like 10% of a typical energy use. I'd love to go and eventually go and do that. So that's kind of what I'm kind of pointing towards. Does the joke just stop there? Okay. So um, I think another way of, um, I want to, I'm going to kind of go back to something I was talking about earlier. Another way of expressing it is, is like, uh, um, I know that, that when I get in invited to go speak somewhere like online and just leave comments and talk to people that that 90% of the comments seem to be focused on telling corporations or the government what to do whereas my focus is more like because as you're talking about green how to live green how to reduce your footprint to 10% of the average and things of that nature I feel like a lot of my stuff is like what can we do what what can I do to um, uh, reduce my energy footprint all all of my yucky footprints you know how do i how do i clean that up what is greener and um uh so i i kind of feel like yeah let's like what what are the things to do and i do i do think that that's I don't know half my podcasts. How do you how do you travel this path to be greener and better and more self sufficient? And because um, the other thing is, is it's kind of like you go to the store and and everything seems so toxic and plastic and and um, I just kind of think like how can we do better? And it's like there's so little that is that I want at the store anymore because it's like the use. Like like the use of plastic in general is just second nature. 
You know, if you can buy the thing made out of plastic, it costs one-tenth of what it costs if it's made out of aluminum or stainless steel or wood. And those are considered novelty, really. Plastic is the way to go. So, anyway, I'm sorry, I'm going off on some tangents. All right, all right. I, I feel like uh, I, I feel like the things I wanted to, to have said were good. I, the, the key is is that a life of building could be the destination for a lot of people. And, and granted, I'm going to advocate for gertitude, where the amount of stuff that you need to do in each year to feed yourself and um, and and like basically gertitude is the idea of like you're no longer paying rent and um, you're no longer going to the grocery store or at least not very much um, and that your income is more accidental and yet growing every year um, whereas at a worky job it might not be growing every year um, and then uh, like for example if you're if you're you know if you've got three acres and you're doing the gert thing you may have planted a bunch of um, fruit trees at some point and uh, now here it is several years later and those fruit trees are possibly four times bigger than they were before producing far more than you so that not not only is it producing more food than you can eat now, but the dollar value per pound of that food has gone up with inflation. And so, whereas a lot of people are struggling to be able to get a raise that matches inflation, gertitude is something where it's kind of woven into the system. And so, it's a form of wealth that's being built. So, anyway... Um, work and and I think I think it's one one thing when the work is work and it's another thing when the the work is for yourself it's a and it's like uh, look I made a thing which I kind of feel like is the foundation of skip look I made a thing and I like this thing or for everybody carving their first ever wood spoon. Look, I, I made a thing and later I'm going to set it on fire. <laughs> I want to make that spoon again because that is one ugly spoon. I, I'm i embarrassed, but I don't want everybody to see it. I want to burn it. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, you get better and better and better at this and then, and then also there's a, a certain amount of um, you have satisfied yourself and um, uh, you know your value. You you like your value, and it came from making things. And um, uh, your, the things that you make. I mean, for example, there's probably nobody within a mile of you that also has built Hugel culture. I don't know of anybody who has built a Hugel culture within a mile. Yeah. So what you've built is probably pretty novel. Like, it's novel to you, and at the same time, you know, it could be novel to others. You've done an interesting and fascinating thing, and um, and and now you're already reaping rewards from it. So um, it's it's fed your soul. You fed your soul. I think maybe that's the the key thing to pull out of all of this. 
um, most people find that the things that we talk about doing um, uh, they're, they're good to talk about but, but they find the, the thought of doing it to be soul draining or they just don't ever do so um, it's hard to start you know, but once you start and you see the benefit of it, like I think from one of your podcasts, I, maybe it was you, I can't remember, but someone said about doing like a wildflower front yard instead of grass. And that brings a lot of joy to see wonderful, all these different varieties of wildflowers. And you know, you're not quite sure what's going to pop up. You know, you throw out a bunch of seeds and it comes up and it's like amazing. And like this year, we weren't quite sure what would come back because there was annuals and biannual flowers in there and I'm like boy it's looking a little a little tough but then my wife just said all the flowers are out and she's sending me pictures of it you know it's just, it's just amazing this big giant bouquet of flowers and then my daughter's going through and picking flowers out to do a little bouquet and you know it, it brings a lot of joy you know to have that kind of nature environment around you and it's amazing what you can accomplish and you know just have to get out there and and do it and just do a small one do it as small as you possibly can at first and plant it and then you know you see the joy of it and you can do a little bit bigger one and just do it piece by piece and before you know it you have a ton of stuff I mean, just think back on any project you've worked on that was big you did it piece by piece and eventually you did this huge massive thing and you're like how in the world did I do that like, un- like moving is like that right you move everything in your house you can do it right yeah <laughs> that's the perfect example everybody moves and you can't lift up your whole thing and do it in five five seconds right you do it piece by piece and 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 you're done before you know it you know you don't die from it you know you you maybe it's a couple days and it's a pain and you you don't like it but you finish it and it's done and you're in a better spot right well rather than doing like wildflowers i'd I'd like to suggest that people i mean even if they're going to do like a little three foot by three foot raised bed garden where you grow a little bit of food you know put one sunchoke in there and uh you know put one tree seed in there like a you know hazelnut or something or an apple put an apple seed or two in there and um so sure you you're you know the second year you're kind of gardening around those little teeny tiny perennials but you know when you get to the five year mark and suddenly these things are the things that are you know providing this enormous amount of food to you and your family um I think that's where permaculture really shines is when these systems pop up and you're doing other things and yet that thing is still pumping out a bunch of food. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a, not as delightful as the little the little girl out there, you know, making garlands for her hair uh, out of the wildflowers that this grew. This is for the neighbors, right? To make yeah. it look okay. okay. <laughs> that's true. That's true. You gotta, you know, you, you gotta find a path to to do all this. But I mow around it too, so they can say, okay, you're doing that on purpose. <laughs> I I just kind of I am not qualified to talk about anybody's mental health, and yet. I get asked this all of the time. What what about people with depression? And I was like, I don't have any answers because I don't think I've, I've ever been there. So uh, I, I'm, how do I, I don't know how you get from where you are to 
I don't know, you're asking me because you're looking at me thinking um, you want to do what I'm doing or you want to be in my shoes kind of and that seems like a happier place than where you are and that's why you're asking me and it's like I don't know how you get there except, and this is the one bit of advice that I give in this space do something carve a spoon, carve a mallet you know, the, the the list of a thousand projects in the skip book, pick five and just start doing them and just keep plowing through the book. Um, I feel like what you're saying and, and what I'm choosing to extract from what you're saying is that you're, you are building stuff and it feeds your soul. And these other people that are asking me this question for which I'm not qualified to answer, I think what they're saying is my soul is not being fed. How do I feed my soul? And um, and I kind of feel like they go shopping to try. They, I'm going to go buy a gizmo or a thing. I'm going to go buy a lovely meal. I'm going to go... I'm gonna go buy. I'm gonna go to my worky job and get more money so I can go buy more things to try to fill my soul. And I kind of feel like house plants. You know, hell, even if a house plant is a strawberry plant, and you one day eat that strawberry, it's not a lot of calories, but but it's a happy calorie. It is. It's a. It's it's a soul calorie of a sort but um, in in the skip book there's PEA you know for apartment dwellers or anybody anywhere and so um, but do you believe that there could be a little bit of truth in what I'm saying absolutely some of the things that I've built and I go and look at you know it's it's like it it is a really good feeling or you do a really good design on something and you're like wow that just works really well or that thing is beautiful you know like I built a you know a a kitchen counter one time because I didn't have enough granite in the house and so I I did an offset of granite to a walnut counter uh, countertop and I just made it work and I just loved it and another time like I built this chicken run and it was like a really good design and I'm like wow this thing just works really well and it was inexpensive and easy to build and so when I moved I took that thing down and moved it over to the next house (laughs) you know just things like that that you know they can bring a lot of joy right a lot of a lot of fulfillment Mm -hmm. yeah all right I think I'm about ready to wrap up and you have, you were supposed to eat your lunch while we talked, and, and it's just sitting there getting cold. Um, still slightly warm. It's still slightly it's warm. Okay. okay. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to add to this podcast? No, I'd, um, maybe I was just, I'm very surprised to be on the podcast. I think it's an honor, you know, because I never thought I would be here after listening to a few hundred of these. Uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I I think this is a good one. I, I And I kind of feel like I started off on a weird space, but I think we ended up on the, the good part. And um, so it's uh, um, a majority rule is oftentimes... 
it oftentimes doesn't work. It's often flawed. And so, um, but really it's, it's in a way you need a certain amount of individuality to be like, I'm going to go build things and I'm not going to have any brother-in-laws in my basement um, because I'll be able to build more uh, if I don't have brother-in-laws in my basement. Um, uh, I think that's possibly the moral of the story. And I, and I build not because, uh, I quit my job. I build because I'm, I'm growing my future. And I think that's another thing too, is that if you, if you did, if you built nothing and you just did your worky job, um, you know, would you be, I mean, I feel like because you're doing permaculture and homesteading that, you you have built your retirement package, whereas if not for that part, you might not be prepared for retirement. Yeah, I think I can retire a lot easier because I'll need so much less money, and then it frees you up to go and retire early and do something that's like really beneficial. Because right now I'm just making company for my corporation that I work for, and I and I feel like I've kind of just been taking too much. And if I can live a little bit of a better life, a little bit lower my energy use, and be a little greener and healthier, that I'll be able to go and give back for you know decades. Decades, you know, and so I would. This is part of learning the permaculture, and hopefully, I can pass that along. That would be like a really cool goal to be able to add a little bit of benefit to the world, if possible. You know, a lot of people make a lot of choices about their life and who to vote for and things like that based upon how safe they will be. So much about savings and about, um, you know, making a safety net and things like that uh, are about um, money or, or you know, should I live here, should I live there? Safety, safety, safety. I mean, really, it's a driving force behind so many decisions that we make all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I kind of feel like... In that's the story of Ferd and Gert, is that Ferd has a worky job, but he is effectively not safe. Whereas Gert has no worky job, and she doesn't have cash flow, well, much. But she is, by my definition, very safe. Do you feel like the extra work that you've done above and beyond your worky job has added safety and security to your soul? I absolutely feel that way and and even if you have money you know it's it's if the system continues to work then it's valuable but if the system breaks down or you have super high inflation then that money means nothing right it's really what have you built and how re- can you rely on yourself can you make it without all of that you know all the typical you know 9 to 5 corporate work and the money to go to get by the money to go and you know buy things you know get the money to buy things so i don't feel like i i don't worry as much I'm a little bit of a worrier, and I've always worried about financials, not really knowing because I kind of grew up a little bit on the, the poor side. And so there was always that fear, but there's a lot less fear now because I know that I can build things that will make it so I'll be able to survive and take care of my family. So. Right. In- including, you know, having grown a bunch of food. Yes. Yeah. All right. I think I need to wrap this podcast up so that you'll be able to eat your lunch. <laughs> and so um, if you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com where we talk about 
safety nets, homesteading, and permaculture all the time. Have you ever wondered whether a particular book was really good or just so-so, and if you could trust the reviews online? When it comes to books related to permaculture, Permies has a large list of reviews for over 100 books. Perhaps you're considering a book for yourself or a friend, or you're just curious about what's out there. Stop by permies.com forward slash book and take a look at the book review grid and read some honest reviews, and hopefully you'll find the next book to add to your collection.